This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, this is Sarah Weiss. I'm the brand manager for Live From Here with Chris Thiele, an American public media program. And what I love about content is I love storytelling. I enjoy reading other people's stories and being part of my own story and the way content allows me to do that. How do you create content to market content? One great person to ask is Sarah Weiss, brand manager for the incredibly popular radio show and podcast. Live from here, I'm Mark Rico and Amber Mundinger and I got to sit down with Sarah to learn about how she thinks about content, digital strategy, and navigating the constantly changing dynamics of a prolific media institution, plus how the show drives marketing and branded content, and vice versa. From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business. Conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Sarah, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm Mark Rako, and with me, uh, I'm just I'm just sitting in as a guest today, uh, moderating. But here, of course, one of our regular hosts, Amber Mundiger. Hi, Amber. Hi there. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be exciting, uh, Sarah. I'd I'd love to lead off with this question. Um, do you think that your job is more about creating content? Or are you more about showcasing content that already exists to get attention to that content? I think we're already creating the content that is going on the radio program each week um, and then trying to figure out how to – but we're also repurposing that in smaller segments to share through social media and other outlets and digital properties. So it's a little bit of both, but mostly I think of it on the creator side of it first. Mm. Why don't you take a moment and let's backtrack and understand more about the actual work that you do okay. and how it connects with our, you know, the word content or the mm-hmm. concept of content. The... Uh, I work for, I'm the brand manager for a program that airs every Saturday evening on many public radio stations across the country called Live From Here with Chris Thiele. The show is a two hour variety show live performance concert, primarily based in music. Um, And then from that uh, two hour episode each week, we also have segments that we post to our YouTube channels, um, as well as a variety of photographs and uh, quotes and items that we post to our social media about and in and around the candid times while the show is being prepared. And how many guests do you normally have on the variety show? We'll usually have at least four guests, sometimes as many as six. Mm -hmm. So this uh, past weekend, the guests were, the musical guests were Andrew Bird and Bedouin, mm. and we had comedian Tom Papa with a regular his regular segment as well as an additional segment, and the writer Gia Tolentino uh, did some spoken word. This weekend coming up, we're going to have musical guests Indigo Girls and Real Estate. Fun and uh, yes, and then we'll have comedian Lewis Black, and then Ken Burns will be on talking about his latest documentary project of country music. Uh, and then there's always the house band as well, mm-hmm. which will have uh, a guest vocalist. Um, some of the regulars are Sarah Jaros and Sarah Watkins and Efo Donovan, and. Um, Chris works amazing with Lee, with all of them, to sing new songs, classic songs, new-to-you songs. Mm-hmm. And this the show was previously called A Prairie Home Companion, correct? Yes. This is... I did not realize it was the same. Yeah. It was It was a continuation of it. It way. is. It can, that's a great mm-hmm. way to phrase uh-huh. it. So Chris took Curry over. Home Companion 2.0. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it started out as 
Chris took over hosting Prairie Home Companion, and in 2016, um, Garrison picked him as his successor when he retired. And then Chris has changed and molded the show to be what is now live from here. And that is a more music-forward program mm-hmm. than Prairie Home Companion was. Um, and with, But still with spoken word, still a variety show. But definitely with him, his strengths being in the music world and his passions being there he's created much more of a show uh, to focus on that how has that shifted the audience or is the audience still consistently the same and it just opened up new audiences to you guys because of his direction and content it's there are some people uh like with any kind of change there are some people who get really excited about it and others who were not happy that something has changed um (laughs) so you know there are there are some people who we definitely have seen a mix of people who are like i love that this is a new thing for me and i get really excited and he's really terrific and then we also have opened the doors for other people who are like oh i wasn't as interested in something that was mostly storytelling with a little bit of music, but I'm such a music fan. I love that there's this new program that allows me more music discovery and more time to do that, plus the uh, additional fun of spoken word and comedy. Yeah, just such a fun mix. I'm kind of wondering, um, thinking chicken and egg here, is is the booking of guests driven totally by the content or is there any consideration about, okay, we booked this guest, this is going to allow us to create this kind of content, which can then be repurposed, which will then drive people back to the show because of the way it can be marketed versus, okay, here's who we had. Now we deal with whatever that was mm-hmm. and use that content. In the great grand picture, yes, we want to be doing something that is always going to create a natural flow that also works with the segments being able to be out there to reintroduce mm-hmm. people. Um, schedules of the outside world being what they are, yes, of course. it doesn't exactly work out. Right. But then we have certain segments that are consistent with the house band every week that we're able to use for more of those content pieces. And then sometimes the guests will also be part of that. Like each week we do a musician's birthday segment. And that's one of our more popular things that we can Mm. break off from the two hour program and share within different outlets on digital, different digital properties. Um, And also really helps tell the story about who Chris is and his vast knowledge of all forms of music from many, many eras and centuries. How does, uh, and obviously, uh, given the nature of the organization for which you work, we're not dealing with strict advertisers the way that, that, that obviously a more commercial venue mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Or, or channel would, but there's still cons- those considerations uh, because there are donors, there are uh, underwriters mm-hmm. uh, to pay attention to. How do you think about protecting that kind of public presence, that responsibility, that positioning, while still giving those underwriters or sponsors their proper due in mm-hmm. the work that you do? The underwriting, the sponsors kick off the the show. So that's there's there's the lead underwriters, and that is the first thing you hear as we get the show goes on air after the welcome of like it's live from here, um, before we kick in with the music and the guests. Then there are various local breaks and opportunities for the uh, the station that's airing it at whatever time they're and when they're airing it to add in what they need at that time. Um, uh, that's where it plays in at this Mm -hmm. point. But then there are also the digital opportunities are still untapped at this point. So that's Mm. still being explored. So that's a really interesting opportunity for, Mm -hmm. for you guys. Are they untapped just because you, for lack of a better way of putting it, you haven't gotten there yet? Or it's figuring out how to do it on, on public. Yes. It's, it's a combination of both. It's still, you know, as a radio program, the, the we're still building a lot of where the digital outlets need to be. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so finding where that underwriting fits in addition to what has already been set up for on air is uh, a work in progress. Interesting. Yeah. And then like I, from a public, like, 
you know, media standpoint, I would assume also just navigating like parameters and things like that, mm-hmm. which are so different than being more commercial. What about have you guys explored, you know, on site? I mean, because you do have, you know, the live audience. Um, so on site, are partners able to do anything from a content perspective or a presence perspective? We haven't put that together yet. Mm-hmm. Um the, but it, yeah, we haven't put that together yet, I think is the best way to say that. <laughs> Are we politically dancing around something right now? No, I just, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ideas as to how we can best do that in a way that doesn't overwhelm the stage it's, or. It's a, it's a work yeah. in progress. It's, a work, it's again, it's another work in progress. So, gotcha. you know, there's a combination of limited space out front mm-hmm. of the, the theater that, uh, as well as then how do you best – there's a lot of people on that stage. So how do you fit something else in without right, something uh, getting away? <laughs> how do you think about the different audiences that you have? So in mm-hmm. other words, you have an audience in the theater. You have an audience – and then you have regional audiences mm-hmm. that think about content differently. They react to content differently. You have demographic audiences. How are you thinking about the different kinds of content that you can create, especially in repurposing, mm-hmm. that appeal to those different demographics and different regions? Uh, and then and then the physical audience in the theater versus your digital audience. Obviously, the audience in the theater is much smaller, mm-hmm. less consequential mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of um, how many people you can reach, yeah. obviously. But. True. Um, the the audience in the theater and our live stream audience tend to be pretty similar because they are getting a slightly larger window of performance time, whereas like they get to see the warm up and and if there's an encore and then the radio the audience who's listening through uh, the radio is hearing it is hearing a very specific two hour block, mm-hmm. um, and. There, we also think about like we recently did an episode that was encores and extras. So it was something that people who had been at the shows or uh, had watched through a live stream had seen, but the radio audience hadn't heard it. And it was mm. a really big. Everyone was really excited about it because they're like, "Oh, I forgot to go back and check that episode when it was streaming or when that mm-hmm. clip was up." And um, so I think we want to make sure that the. You, Acknowledging that we have different audiences who are getting slightly different experiences, we still want to do what we can to unify that experience. And because that's, we want this to feel like a common denominator for everybody. Like we all, everyone does have a different experience despite living in different, well, when you live in different areas and when you're hearing things mm-hmm. in different times. But this seems to be something that brings, it's really, I spend a lot of time moderating the YouTube chat and there are, it's exciting to look as everyone's, you know, coming online and saying, I'm coming, you know, I'm here from Sweden. I'm here from Tulsa. I'm here from, you know, uh, someone was, was coming, it was uh, tuning in from Australia the other week. So it's, yeah, they're coming, every people are tuning into the show from all over the world and in different ways because they've discovered this and then they have this space together for two hours, two and a half hours. Has YouTube been a big way for, you know, a more global audience to connect in with you guys? Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, how are, how are individuals hearing about the show in Australia or Sweden or, you know, other locations? There are a number of them who have uh, come because of being fans of Chris Thiele um, Mm. and discovering it through being on YouTube streams. Um, Also the show is, or, I think is also broadcast on Armed Forces Radio, mm. so there's a lot, okay. and then there's some serious XM tie-ins as well. Very cool. What, what are you making use of podcasting as well as we do have a podcast that airs clips. So we have our uh, it'll be the song of the week, which is that Chris writes an original song for each episode, each new episode, wow. and um, Tom Papa, who's a regular comedian and was the head writer for a number of seasons, has a segment called Out in America, which is original for the mm. show. So that one, and that also helps bring in people from different regions. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. What the what's mm-hmm. the purpose behind, if you will, what's the ROI of the production and effort that goes into to doing those? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it about um, acquisition of new listeners? Is it about <laughs> just satisfying the thirst <laughs> of existing fans, or you know? Uh, it, 
I think it's both, you know, for when you want to take it with you and you can't be streaming, mm -hmm. then you're, you know, you can always hear. There's a lot of thirst and demand for Chris as a writer and as, uh, you know, people, so that everyone does want to hear his new music as well, and in addition to hearing it on the show. So he's writing a new original piece for every show. Yeah. So we'll have about 25 new live performances each season. Mm. And then cool. there'll be, um, but it does air every weekend. So, how is you know in terms of the audience, like public radio has traditionally, I would say, been more of an older audience. But now, I mean, public radio, NPR, NPR, you know, um, has become cool, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, which is this whole resurgence. I mean, how do you think about that as a marketer? Like, what are the different techniques that that you use and you know, to attract both that that older audience, but mm -hmm. then also all of these, you know, next generations that want to listen. I would think the messaging would be different. Yeah. To grabbing the, the person that's coming because mm -hmm. they think it's cool versus someone that feels like it connects with the the radio they remember mm -hmm. or and so forth. Um, it's definitely a challenge to bring in more of a younger audience. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, I think a lot of the the coolness of what's happening with NPR right now t does still skew in the Gen X fact side of right. cool because um, we're getting older <laughs> <laughs> and millennials are getting older. True. And, um, but also wanting to have something that is – mostly unbiased mm -hmm. um and that type of listenership so i mean i also love listening to what npr music is doing and the music discovery that they have there mm -hmm. so you i think the balance that is really well struck on the show is a combination of discovery as well as uh, familiarity so you know you have an art most people have heard about it in Go Girls or have heard their music or even if they don't immediately know the name, they're going to recognize some They're of the going to recognize the song yeah. uh, and the voice. But not as many people will have recognized – will know the band Real Estate. Totally. Same thing with, you know uh, – so that uh, – so we, we find a lot of times people are coming to the show because there will be some sort of name recognition mm -hmm. either from Chris or one of the guests and then they're, they stay and they come back week after week because they love the format to find a way of like, I'm getting this familiar – thing but i'm also being uh shown something new that i love as well and it's and it strikes a really great balance yeah because you have like like you were saying even in your most recent you have like the mm -hmm. andrew birds of the world and mm -hmm. then ken burns or you yeah. know so that juxtaposition so that's an interesting way to target both speaking of targets my 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 sights are on uh, a special moment of the show that we love to have which is see what i did there that was almost like almost <laughs> that was a segue good. It, was, yeah. I, it was weak but it was there uh, we have a tradition Still early. No. <laughs> i know exactly i'll warm up i'll warm up amber uh, sarah we have a tradition on the show where our guests often bring a snack for all of us to share it's a wonderful way to break bread maybe mm -hmm. sometimes find out a little bit about the guest in terms of what they've decided to bring for all of us to share. So um, I do see a little bag on the floor over there. I was wondering yes. what you brought and why. And thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. I brought dark chocolate covered pretzels. Yum. Which are one of my favorite things to eat. Um, and this, these are from a company called Asher's, which is based mm. in Pennsylvania uh, near my family. So I mean, uh, I grew up eating a lot of dark chocolate covered pretzels and my family, we all love chocolate. There's a lot of great pretzels in Pennsylvania, which, uh -huh. um, and, but apparently not everybody is in agreement of the salty and sweet mix. I'm all for oh, it. Oh, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in all I'm the way. In. Yeah. I'm all in. And, uh, well, great. Uh, let's break them out and hear, get a little taste of, of Sarah's home. So okay. thank you yeah. very much for bringing, uh, and, uh, coming up, uh, we're going to get a little bit more into, the uh, the technical thinking mm -hmm. of executing the marketing that you do and uh, and some of the innovation and, and the way things are doing it now that you're trying to adopt to go to the next level right after this. Great. Do you love to laugh? Do you love great interviews with a lot of heart? Do you like good stories? Do you like to hear about life? Well, good news, because if you listen to a show called Funny People Talking, all of that happens, right, Danielle? 
all of it happens. Every single thing you said on that list and more. Hey, well, Elsie, does any of it not happen? It all happens. Come on, Elsie. Okay. It right. really happens. Okay, well, you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere you can find a great podcast. And I know it's true because these people loved it. <laughs> Only for a short time while they were listening to the show, Then Life Sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking. So my pretzels in my stomach. <laughs> it went Good there, place for it to be. It went yes. very, very quickly. That was fantastic. What a great taste of home. Thank you. Yeah, that was so good. So, oh Thank you. Oh, my gosh. So I, I would have it. another, but they're too far away right now. But I might. But we're eyeing them. Save them as dessert yeah. as well. That's right. That's we're right. eyeing them for sure. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about where you were before Chris Thiele, before Live From Here. You know, um knowing that you have a, a background in music and entertainment mm -hmm. from a marketing perspective? Most directly prior to joining the team at APM and live from here, I was with King's Theater in Brooklyn as the director of marketing there. And prior to that, had also been with the Bowery Presents from the beginning days. Um, so come from the venue, live promotion side of things, and uh, – which has always been so it's in you know the i think what we're moving towards is sort of where we can get applicable and the same and that was even though now i'm only working with one brand specifically it's also still very similar in that when i was working with barry presents that was the overarching brand and then the variety was coming from all the different venues and programming that we had mm -hmm. and then on a smaller side as well with kinks theater was working with developing the brand of the theater itself and then within that, all of the number of different variety of shows and artists that came through as well as uh, that also had a tourism aspect to it from being an historic theater, an historic space. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, you know, it's the, the program is the singular brand and then the variety of artists that are coming through each week and the programming that we do as well for the weeks in between the live shows. Uh, that, so that's sort of the through line for me that I found. How is the way that you thought about marketing then mm -hmm. different from how you think about marketing the show now? With this show reaching a large national and international audience, there's a lot more that can be done that is less of, you know, uh, regionally niche. Mm -hmm. Whereas, but at the same time, it's still using some of those same digital tools, like the refinement that we found with social media and as well as search engine marketing. Um, and and the, you can still hit that niche audience, but on a larger national and international level in the way you need to, as well as a local level. Um, and that has continued to expand. I mean, when that when those techniques first became available, it was really exciting because it was new and it was a great yeah. thing and a great it's still an amazingly powerful tool and it's an even more powerful tool than it was when it started. Um and that's I think the biggest thing is trying to figure out if there is going to be a new tool that's going to have that kind of impact um in the way that those have on Mm -hmm. on everything, on every kind of marketing. It's not just marketing for music or for entertainment. But it continues to be the best way to reach people that have a specific interest. Is there – like when you're looking at, for example, like the the show now and the different segments of of artists or, or genres, like meaning music versus comedy versus spoken word, do you create many marketing strategies for each of those and then for the broader show mm -hmm. or is it really looking at it more holistically just thinking about how you could like hyper target mm -hmm. we do have various strategies for moving the the ticket sales mm -hmm. um, as well as focusing on the special guests as well as strategies for encouraging more people to listen and uh each one has different 
targets, different regions, different, you know, um, but, and there's still, there's a lot of similarity because we know that the audience is going to be looking for a certain amount of keywords. Mm -hmm. Is the, for the live portions and the, the, the audience that's purchasing tickets, the live portions, are they mostly, they're based out of New York? Correct. Primarily. Um, but we also have a number of one of the things that we continue to try and build is for with New York being such a destination city for everyone who mm -hmm. wants to travel. Um, we often get a lot of requests from our fans ev everywhere. Like, OK, what are I'm, I'm planning my trip for this month? What are you going to be your dates? Uh, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, and then we also have people who are, you know, in the Northeast who are like. My New York day trips always coincide with coming up to see one to of see your episodes. Show. Yeah. That's really neat. And why – so the name change, I guess, to go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. So that was really like from, you know, really the handoff from one mm -hmm. to the other of, of host, correct? Um, and because the the show was going in a bit more of a music direction – did that affect the audience at all? We definitely saw um, I, I wasn't th that most of the transition happened before I came mm -hmm. on board. But what I've seen so far um, is that there was certainly a, an audience transition that is still but the that is still uh, ongoing. It's still ongoing um, and we're much more back on the. You know, as I as I mentioned earlier, there are those who aren't keen on change and other people who welcome it. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, on that point, I'm wondering if as the new host came on, was there some very conscious thinking about a, a re uh, framing or, or, or like did the personality of the marketing change to reflect that new host's style, background? Um, energy, mm -hmm. et cetera, uh, so that it it felt that it fit, or was it very conscious to keep it exactly the same, so that it felt like there was a consistency in what the show felt like for people experiencing? Mm -hmm. It's it's been a more of a gradual thing over the last two years. I think at the beginning, like okay, I'm here. Let's not rock too many boats mm -hmm. uh, from what I've been able to pick up. And then as Chris became more comfortable in the role and as he wanted to develop the program to being, around, you know, uh, it, 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 then there's been more change. And this past season, you know, the biggest change being moving to New York as a home base mm -hmm. for the show. Uh, New York has always been a the town hall was always a space where they came multiple times a year. But now it's primarily the where the program can happen. And finding so that has also led to uh, a bit of the changes in the in the guest format but, mm -hmm. um, maybe less so with the skits but keeping the spoken word and then that makes a space for new types of guests such as more authors and we've had a number of broadway guests come and sing mm, or nice. read and that's been really well received as well so that's probably been really helpful from a content perspective mm -hmm. just because shifting to New York, you have so many people flowing through the city yes. overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What um what are the areas that you have seen, you know, like you just mentioned, like Broadway, for example, are there other areas where you've seen like an uptick in being able to have more guests in the in certain areas of content mm -hmm. just from the nature of being here? The writers, um, you know, getting someone like Ken Burns and, and Gia Tolentino um, and the in addition to you know Paul Simon dropped by last, last mm. season or not, not quite dropped by but it was scheduled but the you know having that access to people who are based here in New York and the talent pool of those you know who have a lot of it's just in addition to we also find that we're able to talk about our guests a little earlier than mm -hmm. uh, in the past how do you how are you able if at all to leverage the followings uh, or tribes of your guests for marketing purposes is there collaboration involved uh, is it just sort of mm -hmm. hopeful that it'll be organically happen uh is you know is 
Is there an arrangement? Is there collaboration? You know, how do you create content that you you specifically think those fans will connect to and 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 that'll bring in that fan base? To, mm-hmm. How do you think about that? Ideally, the guests are interested in doing some collaboration or at least in the encore at the end if they can. Um, and but schedules being what they are, that doesn't always come together. Uh, you know. We were, when we have, it was amazing to watch Andrew and Chris sing together this past week. Um, Trey Anastasio, when he was performed, was able to do a very collaborative mm. entire show between, and then that we also had Wynton Marsalis and Jazz at Lincoln Orchestra as part of that. And um, that is always the ultimate, is when we can get the guests to be highly collaborative. Um, but sometimes it's also just great to have them singing and Mm -hmm. doing and you know presenting their work as its own thing on the show is it more of a process from a content creation standpoint like you know obviously you want the guests to be highly collaborative but does Mm -hmm. that change the the timeline of what you're creating for that show no and that's the the timeline never quite changes so Mm -hmm. there's you know it's The primary rehearsal days are the Friday before the show and the day of the show. Um, and then there's writing and communication and everything that leads up to that. But it's it's really put together within like 48 hours, which amazes me every wow. week. Wow. Amazing. But- <laughs> what do you uh, – what is your timeline like? Mm-hmm. Meaning, okay, so the show happens. How far out past the show are you thinking about the marketing of that episode? And then you're, and then, and then it's not important to market that episode anymore, mm-hmm. you know, or like how far does that reverberate out in its different forms? After the show airs, so we're, we're usually promoting the show leading up to it. So some of, some of that is come be a part of the audience. And mm-hmm. then some of that is don't forget to tune in, especially if you've never tuned in or how, you know, or if you're, and then. Afterwards, there's the promoting of like, you know, did you get the day of there's don't forget to listen or Mm -hmm. you can still stream or there's more opportunities. And then starting then the week after or the couple days after the airs, then there'll be more of talking about, okay, you can catch our live stream for the rest of this week. Or we've got these clips coming up these Mm -hmm. this week to relive things. So there's a constant flow and chatter talking about joining us, staying with us getting ready to join us again mm-hmm. and then you know and and because you know not a, some people are lucky that they can take every saturday evening from six to eight and sit down and enjoy the show or stand up and dance and enjoy the show but most of us tend to have other things that get in right. the way of <laughs> our saturday evenings our six to eight our, time period. like our favorite thing to do but yeah, yeah whatever that might be <laughs> so how so the live stream is then available for a week following all of our shows from Town Hall, the mm-hmm. live stream is available for a full week now uh, oh, that's the, great. through the video. And then we also have an audio archive on our website and through YouTube at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, the other spaces where we – yeah, that that's always at the Town Hall now. So that, that's available for, for a week to binge as you like. To binge <laughs> listen. And then in terms of that content that's flowing out kind of like that directly after the show, a couple of days after the show. So – I imagine that you're cutting cutting and editing multiple pieces of content mm-hmm. to be able to market immediately. Yes. Our digital team is very busy. Very busy. Mm-hmm. At all times. Yeah. And they are but they're excellent at it. And they I, I'm uh, yeah, constantly impressed with the entire team that puts us together from the musicians to very excited to be working with all of them. Yeah. So Sarah, before we move on, uh I just want to ask you as you're 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 there present for the shows. Yes. yes. What is your favorite part of the show? The uh, the part of the show that you I know you like the whole thing and you're a team player and all those things, but is there a part of the show that you personally like? You always sort of look forward to and go, "Here it comes this is, this is my favorite." Are you allowed to say? I. It's like picking children. Yeah, it's like <laughs> picking children. I mean, I probably. <sighs> Probably the birthday segment, just because it's so surprising to me. Musician birthdays, is musician that what it is? birthdays, um, and I mean, <laughs> for those who who um, 
who have missed out and not listened, okay, what yes. exactly happens in those? So segment? usually towards the close of the first hour or most often the beginning of the second hour, there's a segment that is musicians' birthdays where uh, Chris and the house band will perform and wish happy birthday to uh, a musician that uh, will be coming up, who's, who will be having a birthday in the coming week. So this past week we celebrated Cheryl Crow. We celebrated Alan Berg. We celebrated Kelly Rowland and Stephen Merritt of the Magnetic Fields. So they did a song from each of those musicians. Um, and it was so uh, the Kelly Rowland Bills, Bills, Bills was particularly spectacular. So and like but in previous episodes, we celebrated um, Billie Eilish. And then there's. That would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a fun one. It went great. Bad guy went really great. Like, and, like do it like bluegrass or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's always the, the Book of Love one. The Americana was, version. Yeah. People were taken by, and very, some people wrote that they were crying a bit. So, like, uh, mm. which is Stephen Merritt. So it's slightly different arrangements usually. And it's also, there'll be an introduction as well to it's a mix of contemporary artists as well as very classical things that like uh that i've that are unfamiliar to me but it sounds so beautiful in the hands of those musicians so mm -hmm. i get it's it's something that is just like, like it's it's always going to be a surprise i mean i love i love all the stuff with the guests i do love the entire two hours and i also enjoy going back to revisiting because i'm working during that time and I miss things. Yeah. So. Well, I have to tell you, I have heard Prairie Home Companion. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a radio. Uh, so therefore, I haven't... You have converted me mm -hmm. through this interview and I'm going to get a radio so that I can listen to this yeah. because I want to hear this. Well, a lot of radio stations also have a digital feed, but yeah, um, or but buying a radio, there's there's, there's a lot of it. it can be a terrific so uh, accessory for your home. Yeah. There's a lot of really beautiful models out there. Um, if you don't already have one why, in your stereo, why not? Why not? I, I, I've your gone into digital. Age. We don't even we don't have cable, so we don't even listen to um, watch TV live. Mm -hmm. And mm. so, and I mean, it's not like we we just get enough through recorded program. We, yeah. it, mm -hmm. it works. So so I feel like I'm missing out on some of these live experiences. You know, so you kind of reinvigorated me here, Sarah. I have to say, <laughs> good. Um, all right, we're gonna uh, pause for a moment. When we come back, it's going to be uh, a chance to get to know Sarah a little bit more from a human side as we delve into personal questions. Right to this. Great. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entreprenistapodcast.com. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. So, first of all, like, can't say enough about the snack. So, yes. so this kind of dovetails into personal questions. You know, you were mentioning that. These are from a great place mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania, and you're from Pennsylvania. So tell yes. us a little bit about where you're from, and um, and where is this pretzel mecca that I need to get to? <laughs> pretzel mecca. <laughs> well, I grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania. My and my mom and my brother are still there in Reading in Berks County. Um, so it's southeastern PA. It is. 
like an hour from Philadelphia, two and a half hours from New York. Um, spent a lot of time growing up. My, you know, my a lot of my family is based outside of Philadelphia as well. So spent a lot of time mm. visiting family and getting to know cities because of that. And that was what led me to New York as well. Because once we started taking trips here, I was like, oh, this is where I need to be. <laughs> I have since gone back and decided I do love Philadelphia a great deal. But like growing up as a teen, I was like, I'm done with you. You're Um, like, I'm going to New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I uh, came to New York to go to school and I did not leave. Mm. Uh, I I spent six months living and working in D.C. I call that my semester abroad. <laughs> Boy, great. these days, yeah, that it is, is a foreign country. <laughs> um, I, I have traveled more extensively than, but I didn't. That's the only time I, uh, in recent years, that I was able that I didn't live in New York. <laughs> um, I love living in New York. I have for yeah. a long time, and I also really love when I get to tell people about that are first times in New York. Um, I, which I, sometimes reminds me that how much I love New York when I'm talking to somebody else about who hasn't visited that I'm like, oh, well, and then I start, I'm like, well, yeah, I do like this place a lot. And where, <laughs> like for somebody that's coming for the first time, like what would be your like top three things that they have to do or, or neighborhoods to see? I mean, I like to ask them what they like to do, mm-hmm. but for whenever somebody is like, I really enjoy walking and just kind of taking it all in mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, West Village and just let yourself get lost and don't worry about the map or the grid. Um, and it's beautiful there. And then, you know, I'm everyone I know, uh, most of my uh, friends and family who've come to visit, they're like, well, we then we got to the High Line and we, I'm like, it's great. You can just take in so much of the city. Mm-hmm. It's a long walk and it's a really great addition to things, um, you know, and if they are looking for food, well, I guess it yeah, depends on what favorite? kind of food they want. What's your favorite food? I love all of it. I love <laughs> all of the food. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I I had a a high school friend who was in town for a conference over the summer and he he had, uh, the conference had ended and he had a spare, some spare time. And I realized, you know, and he and I grew up listening to a lot of the same music together. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, you've never been down to the East village and Lower East side. That's what we're doing. We're going to start it. So we went to a cocktail bar. And we went to Katz's and then we went to a whiskey bar and and we stopped by the Mercury Lounge. But that's New York City. That's what you should do. You used to kill me. So I used to be um, an NYPD auxiliary police officer Mm -hmm. and one of my beats was Times Square. And and me and my partner would stand there and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, on on our – where we're supposed to be. And we would often get tourists come up and, and ask us. And the most common question we got was where's the Olive Garden? And it put me through the heart every time. (laughs) And I I really just want to sit there and go, why? Why would you? Why? Why would you be in New York and go to, with all due respect to the Olive Garden? Why? Seriously. I mean, you know. This is so much. I I mean, I don't mean mean anything. If you want Italian food, there's there's a lot of great Italian food options in Times Square, too, that are not. That are not Olive Garden. I mean, you know, I don't don't mean to be knocking Olive Garden. (laughs) No, me neither. The breadsticks and salad can't go wrong. But you can do that in so many other places. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Why? But um, but anyway, I just it it is just there is just so and I agree. By the way, my wife and I often um, when we have like an open Sunday afternoon, we'll go down to the West Village and do mm-hmm. precisely what you said. Mm-hmm. We'll just walk. Wander. It's different every time. Mm-hmm. Un- unfortunately, a lot of times it means that businesses have changed. Have changed. But, but it is a new experience every time, and I, I love it. And uh, so many corners to it. So now, are you? Do you live Manhattan or Brooklyn or? I'm Brooklyn other. adjacent. Yeah. Oh, I'm Brooklyn adjacent. Nice. <laughs> I I went over that other went over the Pulaski Bridge. <laughs> Brooklyn adjacent. <laughs> I couldn't even say Queens. <laughs> I uh, I have I have lived in now three boroughs. I did live mm. I lived in uh, NoHo for my and, mm. and and when I was at NYU. So, and then moved to Brooklyn mm. uh, in Gowanus before it was as hip as it is now. I not like used, a cool. Oh yeah, cool spot. It was great when it was just very odd automotive when i lived there but i was in a beautiful block um and then which is funny because i now work like a 10 minute walk from where i used to live oh, wow. but right because uh, you guys are in Columbus. yeah but now yeah. i'm in long island city <laughs> that's so funny which is i love it i'm on the water i'm near the ferries i love when i can take a boat places yeah um you know, it's funny when i moved to new york about 12 years ago 
I was convinced that I needed to live on the island. Uh, and when I say on the island, I mean we. I lived in Washington Heights, so yeah, it was technically the island, but upstate Manhattan. Yeah, it's upstate Manhattan. And 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 I still live in Inwood now, and I still live up there, which is beautiful. But it's funny because I realize I was still a half hour to forty five minutes from everywhere I needed to go, mm. and so I probably could have lived in Brooklyn and actually gotten there faster in many cases. Right. I just was new NYC illiterate. Mm-hmm. I did not understand that living in the island does not make you more centrally located necessarily. Yeah. No, sometimes it can take even longer to get everywhere. <laughs> what um, what's your favorite genre of music? Well, according to my year-end streaming report and my decade-end <laughs> yeah. streaming report, it was indie rock. Which is all encompassing and means. Something. I was going to say, is that right. really? Like, I know. Yeah. Technically... yeah. I mean, I I listened to it's a so lot of guitar wide. and stringed mm-hmm. instrument based. Wasn't music. Aerosmith indie rock at one point? At I one don't point. think so. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think. I think they've only ever had major label okay. releases. Um, but yes, I like I like a lot of guitar based mm-hmm. music. That's great. What's the the artist or comedian or you know guest that you know, you're most excited about that's on the has been on the program yeah, who was star, like, that you star identify struck. like you know that you like as a fan. I was really excited to see Bedouin, um, mm. and it was something that because when her first two her records first record first heard her music, I was just like, this is beautiful, and I hadn't mm-hmm. seen her yet, so that was really exciting. That I'm like, yep, she's coming to my place, um, and I yeah they, so yes, that was that one. I mean, coming up. I, I like the when we have the younger artists, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really fun. But I was so, super excited when I got to see Mavis Staples and seeing Paul Simon again and seeing yeah, that Andrew amazing. Bird again. Um, and uh, I, you know, I love when Tom Papa's on every week. Mm-hmm. He makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> Which is so I'm nice. looking forward to Lewis Black. He always makes me laugh. I just have one question, uh-huh. and that is, is, what was your – what is the – record or album that you had at your youngest memory whether it was yours or something your parents had or something like uh-huh. that that made the most impression on you I'm going to go with Paul Simon Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits which is funny because you have mentioned Paul Simon two or three other times I have. Yeah. no yeah. I mean clearly it's yeah. special The uh, so it was my mother's cassette but I took it with me to college and uh, never returned it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at some point, I think You're I did like, buy her. I think at some point, I did buy her another CD copy yeah. of it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, and it was some, but I would always listen to it as well when I was on the bus going back to visit my mom and yeah. my family. Mm-hmm. So uh, that has a very specific memory. I have a lot of. I mean. Should I go on for more? I have older memories. Like, that's okay. I really, really, like my the first, I remember the first music that I wanted and requested someone buy for me was I really desperately wanted the single, uh, the 45 of Uptown Girl. Oh, yeah. Billy Joel. Huge. Loved that. Loved that song. And uh, I remember my aunt and uncle did not buy me that. They bought me a different Billy Joel cassette that I was like, this doesn't even have Uptown Girl on it. That's uh, all the same as Billy Joel. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, this is not what I requested. <laughs> I did eventually get a lot more Billy Joel of everything, including a 45 of Uptown Girl. Oh, my gosh. Girl. I think fun. I still have that 45. That's cool. Wow. You, I, That's fun. You just triggered a memory for me. I remember a Christmas, my um my brother bought me a 45 of Jerry Rafferty right down the line okay and my parents were upset because it was a nice. they felt it was a sexual reference and oh i i God. didn't come from a pur- puritanical family or anything <laughs> and i was just like Oh, that had never occurred to me I'm like right. but it does now <laughs> and then and then ironically Either the next Christmas or something my parents bought. I don't remember the order. My parents bought me a forty-five of um, Madonna like a virgin. <laughs> and you're like, so you were upset and about that. I think that, they thought they but... were being like hip topical. Right. Top, and I'm just like, I'm a boy. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's good. 
I love it. Um, <laughs> if you were to leave behind, uh, let's call it a final thought, Sarah, it doesn't have to be the wisest moment in your life, but but perhaps reflecting on this conversation or uh, on the nature of content in general or anything else you'd like to leave behind, a pearl of wisdom, whatever, what would be the last thing you'd like to say to our listeners? I'd like to go back to where I started with what content means to me in, in terms of the storytelling and being part of Just tell the story that you want to tell. Don't it's important to take feedback from others to in some degree, but make sure that it's not corrupting the point that you're trying to make. So, Sarah, how can people uh, connect with you, follow you, the things that you're doing and so forth? Uh, you can follow the show live from here, 8 p.m., uh, at, which is that on Twitter and on Instagram. And I think that's also our Facebook um, you can also live from here.org if you want to go to the website or you can follow me, my social media handle, uh, and also my LinkedIn is at Weisseroni13. Oh my God. I'm in love with so that fun. handle so much. Absolutely. I love it. So I, I, I wish you, you were from San Francisco cause that would just make such perfect sense. <laughs> it's, 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 an, it's not, I'm not from San Francisco, but it was created by a friend who was like, you're the Pennsylvania treat. You're Weisseroni. Oh, <laughs> that's really that's so fun. Sweet. Well, we will close on that note for sure. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It was really great to talk with you. Congratulations on your success. Thank and you. I hope that this just means bigger and better things as time goes on. So too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank right. you so much. That's it for this uh, delightful episode of Content Is Your Business. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We really do appreciate it. For Amber Mundinger. Thank you guys so much. I'm Mark Rico. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. This has been Content Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network. And find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening.